and uh, we'll just wait for the... Great, so today we'll be going over how to analyze your RNA-seq data and generate Sankey plot within CLC Genomics Workbench and understand the biological context underneath your RNA-seq data by using Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. So before we begin, the Kyogen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications, and these products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. So we're going to first dive into the Kyogen Digital Insights. So what are the products available to use to analyze your data? We're then going to look at how to analyze your bulk RNA-seq data using CLC Genomics Workbench. And then we're going to use Ingenuity Pathway Analysis to interpret and contextualize your RNA-seq data to find the biological meanings underlying your data set. So we try to keep these webinars interactive. So we will be launching polls throughout the meeting. I can see that many of you have already participated in the poll. So thank you very much for that. It really helps me understand the profile of today's attendees. If you have any questions during the talk, please feel free to use that Q&A box. Uh, on the call today, I have Dev, my fellow field application scientist. I also have on the call Leah, one of our account managers, who is more than happy to answer any licensing questions you may have regarding the software. And as I've indicated, we try to keep these webinars interactive. So if you could go ahead and press that raise hand button for me, you should be able to find that in your Zoom chat box. That would give me a good uh, idea of the participation level, keep this interactive and get some feedback. So again, if you could go ahead and look for that raise hand button in your Zoom control panel, that would be greatly appreciated. Great, I can see many of you locating that button. That's great, thank you very much for participating. And as Dev has mentioned at the beginning, after this training, feel free to access today's recording through the registration link. You will have to refill your info, but you will be able to speed up or slow down the video to the appropriate sections. So let's dive into Kaijin Digital Insights. So imagine preparing your libraries, your sequencing libraries, RNA-seq, sending them to the sequencer. And how many of you in the audience using that raise hand button, stop right here. You can't, you don't know how to process your data. You're trying to find a bioinformatician who's able to help you. Anybody using that raise hand button, I can see many of you having this step as your bottleneck. So what CLC Genomics Workbench allows you to do is to process your FASTQ files using a graphical user interface. And after processing your FASTQ files off of the sequencer, you can then pass that data into Kyogen Ingenuity Pathway Analysis to look for biological context in your data. What are the pathways enriched? Are these pathways activated or inhibited? What are some of the upstream regulators and what are the diseases that functions in your data? So here at Kajin Digital Insights, we have software solutions to process your data starting from your FASTQ all the way down to the pathway analysis. And of course, if you are looking for some NGS solutions, Kajin also offers 
library prep kits that we would be more than happy to uh, send you along to our genomics team. So CLC Genomics Workbench, it really is a Swiss knife of NGS analysis. Although today we're going to be focused on bulk RNA-seq and transcriptomics workflow, this software also allows you to analyze your NGS data for single-cell RNA-seq. How many of you are doing single-cell RNA-seq using that raised hand button for me, please? I see a couple of you doing RNA single-cell RNA-seq. So this software also analyzes single-cell RNA-seq data. This software also allows you to analyze any microbial genomics immune repertoire receptor, supports long read analysis, basic molecular biology, such as cloning and PCR design, biomedical genomics, and one of our latest and greatest improvement is the ultra-fast FASTQ2 VCF processing, allowing you to obtain both hereditary and somatic mutations within minutes. So as you can see, with one software package, you can essentially analyze all types of NGS data. We also like to highlight that Kaijin CLC Genomics Workbench has been used by scientists such as yourselves, and graphics have been published in various different journals. So for example, here, this particular study used CLC Genomics Workbench to generate volcano plots for hepatic cells. Users have used CLC Genomics Workbench for other model systems. So in this case, uh, here highlighting uh, Xenopus, as well as some non-traditional model systems, in this case, uh, cannabis plants. So as you can see, using this software, you can analyze data from all sorts of species, generating all sorts of graphics for publications. So let's look at the case study that we're going to be walking through today. Since it's December and mid-December, um, a lot of people have this goal of, you know, improving their physical activity. But as scientists, what are some of the molecular mechanisms by which muscles change upon endurance training? So imagine a study where we took muscles from animals that were trained on the treadmill versus untrained animals and generating RNA-seq data. Using CLC Genomics Workbench, we can answer the question, what are the genes differentially expressed between samples? So in this case, we can generate a differential gene expression table and generate box plots for particular genes. And in this case, I've highlighted some genes that are already known to play a role in muscle contraction. We can also generate a volcano plot and highlight the genes that are either upregulated or downregulated in our comparison between endurance-trained muscles versus untrained muscles. We can also compare samples to one another to see how they cluster. So in this case, we can see that the untrained samples cluster on one side of PCA plot versus trained muscles that cluster onto the other side of the PCA plot. We can also generate a heat map to see whether there are particular genes that we can use for endurance-trained muscles versus muscles that are untrained. So in this case, these particular genes in this cluster seem to be a good indicator of untrained muscles. And perhaps this cluster down here 
may be good biomarkers for endurance-trained muscles. Now imagine having a comparison where, let's say we have animals that are trained, we rest them, and then we allow them to exercise to exhaustion, and then collect muscles at a uh, recovery time, two hours, six hours, eight hours, and immediately after. What CLC Genomics Workbench allows us to do is to look at the overlaps between all of these different conditions to see, are there genes that are unique? Are there genes that are common? And one can imagine generating unique gene sets for all of these various different intersections. Now, this Venn diagram is not just only for time course. Of course, we can compare between different tissue types, different disease subtypes, different therapeutics, dosage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a quite flexible way of generating unique gene sets for downstream analysis. Now, today we're going to be focused on the latest update in CLC Genomics Workbench, which is the Sankey plot. In this case, we can answer the question, can we cluster genes into expression groups? So in this case, on the top cluster here, we can see that there are genes that are perhaps not really changing upon endurance, but then immediately upon recovery, we see a decrease in the gene expression. In the other case, we can see genes that are perhaps lowly expressed, and then upon recovery, they are induced. So we can identify groups of genes that may have these trends in between our different time points. But imagine, let's say, if we have both trained time course, in this case on the left here, and untrained time course on the right here. What we can do is we can follow the flow of this graph to see whether there are genes that are changing the profiles, perhaps from up to down, all the way to a different pattern. So this allows us to identify groups of genes that may be trending in various different directions. So once again, starting from FASTQ files, and I can see from the pre-meeting poll that many of you um, are starting from FASTQ files, we can use a graphical user interface workflow to generate a QC report. We can use the software for trimming. We can then run the workflow for the alignment, ultimately leading to our analysis where we can generate differential gene expression table. We can generate box plots, heat map, volcano plot, PCA plot, overlap analysis. And of course, our latest update, the Sankey plot. So after showing you all of these various different desired outcomes from CLC Genomics Workbench, are these the types of output that you're looking for for your RNA-seq analysis? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch a poll to just collect some feedback to see if these are the types of analysis that you're looking for for your RNA-seq. So I can see that many of you find the 
illustrations and the results to be exactly what you're looking for. For those of you who are perhaps looking for additional analysis and illustrations, please feel free to use the Q&A box to let us know what additional outputs you're looking for for your RNA-seq analysis. So one thing that a lot of our new users love to look at are these reports, right? Whenever we are doing new algorithms, processing our new data, we want to be reassured that our data is consistent and our data processing is consistent with the field. So with CLC Genomics Workbench, we can generate quality control reports so that we can look at how many of our reads are mapped versus how many of our reads are not mapped. And in this case, we can see that the majority of our RNA-seq reads, about 98%, are mapped to our genome, which is amazing. Of course, if this percentage gets lower and lower, perhaps there may be some issues in terms of the library prep or the sequencing run. And this allows us to analyze our data and make sure that the data quality is sufficient. Another useful feature within CLC Genomics Workbench is the ability to automatically generate log reports. So imagine having to repeat somebody else's analysis or getting ready to move on to your next professional endeavor. What users can do is generate a log report so that all of the parameters for the analysis are embedded in the files. So in this case, we can see exactly the parameters for the alignment and the files that were used for the alignment. So everything is um, labeled and included in all of the files. And then the last thing I want to mention is that CLC Genomics, oh, that was a little bit of wheel scrolling there. There we go. So CLC Genomics Workbench is flexible in terms of enterprise solutions. So I can see that many of you may be running between 10 to 100 samples or a couple hundred samples. If you need to decrease the amount of time required for the processing or have a lot of samples you need to process, CLC Genomics Workbench can work on the HPC hardware and CLC Genomics Workbench can work on the AWS cloud. So both of these options allow users to process additional samples using a shorter turnaround time. So here I've uh, also listed additional features of the CLC Genomics Workbench software, such as user-friendly interface, interactive visualization, ready-to-use and customizable workflows. We have plugins that one could install in the Workbench, works on both all of the Windows, Mac, Linux, works with reads with most platforms, not only long reads, but as well as short reads as well. We can scale up, scale up the software using the genomic server as well as the AWS cloud module. It's fully documented and supported. So if you have any questions while you're using CLC Genomics Workbench, you can reach our PhD level support 20 hours of the day, five days of the week. And the software is GMP ready. So for those of you who may be working in biotech, or um, in a company that is required uh, auto log, user management, all of those features are readily available.
So with that, let's go ahead and dive into CLC Genomics Workbench to look at how we can analyze our bulk RNA-seq. So again, the study that I'm going to use is uh, from this Nature Metabolism paper, the Molecular Control of Endurance Training Adaptation in Male Mouse Skeletal Muscles, where again, animals are either untrained or trained, exercise to exhaustion, and samples were collected at a time interval. So the first analysis that I'm going to highlight are samples coming from control muscles from untrained and trained animals. And then from the Sankey plot, I've taken the time course for the trained animals on the bottom here. So let's go ahead and dive into the software where let's go ahead and highlight the three areas that we need for our analysis. The first area is to download our reference. The second one is to import our reads. And the third area is to import our metadata. So switching over to my CLC Genomics Workbench. So in order to open up our reference data, what we need to do is go to the top right hand corner right here. And as you can see, there are certain buttons that may be of interest. For example, to contact our PhD level support, there is the support button all the way to the top right. And of course, to download our reference data, we can click on this references data. So this button allows us to download our references. So we have animal species. And as you can see, I have customers working with uh, dogs and cows that I have downloaded references for. For those uh, customers working with humans, you can see the human reference data readily available here under HG38 and HG19. And we can see the mouse data set right here. So for those of you following along, again, Let's go ahead and go to the reference data on the top right-hand corner here, scrolling through the menu to find our muse musculus. So what we can do is after clicking on this, we can go ahead and click on the checkbox and then click on download. So again, references, searching for our mouse, click on the checkbox, and then we can click on download. So imagine being able to download all of the reference data that you need in one window. So you don't have to go to different websites, make sure that these different files from different websites are compatible with one another. All of these files are available to you all at once in one place. So after we've downloaded the reference, the next thing that we need to do is to import our reads. So in this case, on the top left-hand corner, we can see additional buttons. So using the import, we can see that, again, CLC Genomics Workbench supports multiple types of reads, not only coming from short reads, but also long reads. Now, of course, most of the customers I've worked with probably work with Illumina. And in this case, the data set is coming from Illumina. 
let's go ahead and press the Illumina sequencing. So once again, for those of you following along, feel free to access the import button on the top here, and then search for Illumina. So the next step is to choose where to run our import. So most customers are going to import their reads onto their local computer. If you have access to an HPC version of CLC, you can choose either the CLC server or the grid with CLC server. And if you have access to a cloud, you can choose to import the reads to the AWS cloud. So for today, let's go ahead and select down Workbench, click on Next. And this is where we can either find reads from file system, AWS, or base space. So let's go ahead and click on File System, click on Add Files, and let's go ahead and search for my reads. So for today, I have some reads that are single-end reads, so we can select those. And because they're single-end reads, paired reads is unchecked. So let's go ahead and look at how we can import paired reads. I have some simulated pair end reads. What we have to do is just import the pair end reads and check the paired reads box. So quite simple in terms of importing your reads. Let's go ahead and remove these, add our single end reads, uncheck the paired reads because these are single ended reads, click on next, and then we just have to specify where to save the files. Let's go ahead and create a new folder for today. I'll just call this import reads. And then click on finish. We can go to the bottom left-hand corner here and click on the processes tab to keep track of the process of the import. And as you can see, the import has been completed. So we can check on these reads and they're just going to be simply a list of sequences. In this case, these FASTQ files don't have any quality score, so we don't see any quality score or any read names. So just to reiterate, the first thing we did was we imported our reference, downloaded our reference. The second thing we did was we imported our reads. And then the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to import our metadata. So again, the first step we did was we downloaded our reference. The second step was importing our Illumina reads. And now we're going to import a metadata. So what is a metadata? So metadata is simply an Excel spreadsheet that contains labels for your samples. So for example, this Excel spreadsheet that uh, we have created for our samples today contains a column for sample ID, a column for conditions, whether these samples are trained or untrained, and a column for time point, whether they are control, zero, four, six, or eight. CLC Genomics Workbench does not restrict you on the headers, so you can use any type of headers you want for your RNA-seq. 
So for example, perhaps you may have samples collected from different locations on different dates. You can have an Excel spreadsheet containing that, uh, those information. You may also have information from patients, whether they were treated or um, the sex of the patients. So as long as you have information and data you like to associate with your samples, you could import that as an Excel spreadsheet. So again, jumping back into CLC Genomics Workbench, let's go ahead and go to our Import button and import our metadata. So by clicking on that, what we can do is we can browse for our metadata. So right here, and of course, we can find our metadata, click on it, and then import that into CLC. So again, import, import metadata right here. And then we can use the browse button to import our Excel spreadsheet. So what we can do then is we can find the location of our data. So let's go ahead and use this button here. And then we can move all of these individual FASTQ files to associate our Excel spreadsheet with these FASTQ files. So we can click on these files individually, but for those of you who may be working with tens to hundreds of samples, a quick trick is to press the top folder, add folder contents recursively, and click on OK. So again, the top folder, add folder contents recursively, and all of the elements will be added. We can then click on OK, and then we can associate our Excel spreadsheet with our FASTQ files. So this allows us to either match the exact header. I would say 95% of my customers are going to use the prefix. And 5% of my customers are going to use the suffix. So just depending how you labeled your Excel spreadsheet, and how the elements are labeled, select the appropriate matching scheme. After that, we can click on Next, and we can save the metadata. And the metadata is simply just a table looking exactly like our Excel. So now that we have our, let's go ahead and remind ourselves, our reference data, our Illumina reads imported in, and our metadata imported in, we are ready to set up our RNA-seq workflow. So to do so, what we can do is we can go to the toolbox. And underneath the toolbox, there are workflows. So these workflows are tools that have chained together so that you can process your samples automatically. But of course, we also have individual tools so that for those of you who may need to do one step at a time, you can do so as well. So underneath the basic workflow, we can see that there is a RNA-seq and differential gene expression analysis. So to launch this tool, we can simply double click 
We can choose where we want to run this workflow again. And at the end, we'll get some of the results, such as a graphical QC report, RNA-seq report to look at mapping, differential gene expression, as well as a volcano plot, an expression browser where we can actually generate box plots. Let's go ahead and sort this. We can generate box plots for our genes of interest. And then we'll look at how we can group these to generate some of the graphics that we have uh, generated in the past. We can generate a heat map, a Venn diagram, the Sankey plot, which is our feature for today, which also allows us, let's go ahead and drag this to the bottom here. Look at how particular clusters are expressed. And of course, if you have multiple conditions, we can generate a more complex Sankey plot to follow along some of these genes and how they change in patterns. So with that, I think it's a good time to take a uh, live Q&A break to see if there are any questions that I can answer. Thank you, Tim. And as always, we will launch a poll to collect some feedback. Most importantly, we really want to make sure that you guys are able to follow the presentation. So let us know the pace is good. Do we need to go faster, slower, et cetera, et cetera. And another thing that often comes up, as a matter of fact, two different people ask questions about that is about uh, other species, right? So we mm -hmm. are curious, like, uh, does your species has assembled genome or is that one of your uh, needs? Because CLC also has de novo assembly tools. Um, in terms of questions, many questions came up. In terms of recording, as we mentioned before, things will be recorded and you will be provided recording uh, later on. But at the same time, two hours after the training, you can go to the registration link, which is in the slides I pasted, slide number four. And you can view the recording on demand as soon as, you know, about like one or two hours after this uh, training. Um, one of the attendees asked mm -hmm. question about um, long reads. Can CLC yeah. work with long reads? Absolutely. So underneath the long reads workflow, you can see uh, there's a de novo assembly. But I do believe with the long reads, there is also an RNA-seq one that we can also use. So as you can see, there is an RNA-seq analysis for long reads. So and using the search box is quite useful to kind of help you guide you to that. Yeah, and this is something that really good number of CLC customers use. And accordingly, our team has been adding more features and will most likely be adding even more features. So if there is something that's missing or you want, just let us know. Um, another thing was about references. Mm -hmm. uh, does CLC provide a chicken reference? Uh, let's see. If we go to the references, you'll have to help me out with the scientific name for the chicken. But there uh, is guys, guys, it's there. It's, it's, there. it's there. Okay, yeah, right here. I actually downloaded it too. So <laughs> underneath the animal others, there is the uh, the chicken reference. But remember, this is not restricted to just the references that you can find in CLC. You can import data. So feel free to use the download, search for sequences at NCBI to download FASTA files. And what you can also do is download GenBank annotation files, so GFF3s, and use the import, import track. And this is where you can import GFF3 files right here. So um, 
If you don't find it in the references, feel free to just download, or we have worked with customers who have their own custom genome, custom uh, species, gene annotations, and they simply just import the tracks from the files. Okay. Um, another question was about box plot, and I'm sorry because I was typing. You already showed like you know how to uh, do the workflow and generate the box plots, right? Uh, I have not. I've launched it, but I haven't showed how to set it up. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> sorry. This is something no, no, I guess no. <laughs> team will be showing. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is we'll move forward. Okay, I know that there are more questions coming in, but at the same time, I want to make sure that our uh, trainer, Tim, has sufficient time to cover things. But don't worry, we'll be taking even more questions live in about half more hour. So back yeah. to you, Tim. Absolutely. And Thank I'm, you I'm very much. Slides in the chat box one more time for those who missed it. Sorry. Absolutely. No, I'll... Thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking around. Thank you for, for all the wonderful questions I can see in the Q&A box. And I'll try to highlight some of these while we go through the analysis. So with that, let's go ahead and see how we can set up our RNA-seq workflow. And I hope after we do this, you'll be able to see how easy it is to use the graphical user interface. So again, underneath the basic workflow, we can launch the RNA-seq uh, workflow by double-clicking on it. And then again, here's where we can select where to do the analysis, locally, on the server, or in the cloud. Once we have done that, here again, we can select where we want to find the files. Are they in the cloud or are they locally already imported in? Although there are if we look here, there are, looks like there are 13 steps, which could be very daunting. This can be divided into three steps, really. Import our reads, select our reference, which takes up steps three to eight or three to nine, set up our parameter analysis. So one, two, three. I guess we still have a step here to save the location. So maybe 3D. So very straightforward to set up the analysis. So again, the first thing we need to do is to select our trimmed reads. So here is trimmed reads. Of course, if you want to trim the reads in CLC, the tool is available here underneath the tools. So simply select on your reads. And of course, we're going to do that handy dandy shortcut, add folder contents recursively. And then we're going to click on Next. What we can do now is select our reference data set. So again, here, what we can do is we can select on the mouse and click on Next. We can use the organization of the input data, click on Next, and then just to make sure that all of these are set up appropriately. Now we can check the reference sequences. And as you can see, because we have pre-populated it with the reference data, the first one is going to be mouse, mouse genes, mouse mRNA, mouse coding sequence, gene ontology, if we have any spike in control. And then here is where we can set up our differential gene expression with our metadata field. So rather than click on Finish and Save, I'm just going to go ahead and click on Cancel. So with that Raise Hand button, 
How many of you find that to be extremely easy to set up? So does anybody in the audience find that to be extremely easy to set up your RNA-seq analysis? So again, no requirement for any command line experience. All you have to do is just move your FASTQ files in and then go through the process. So now for those of you who may want to look underneath the hood to see what the algorithms and tools are, we can right-click on the workflow, open up a workflow copy, and this is what the workflow looks like. Again, there are a lot of lines and there are a lot of boxes. So let's go ahead and annotate this in our slideshow to see what these various different elements are. So on the top here, what we have are boxes for our reads, and our references. And then we're going to do a QC report for our raw reads. After that, we are going to do the alignment, generating browser tracks. We're then going to take the aligned files, collect them, and perform differential gene expression so that we can create a count table then diagram, PCA plot, as well as a heat map. So all of these are chained together in a workflow so that you can easily import your reads in and with a couple clicks, be able to generate all of the results on the bottom. Now, for those of you who would like to combine workflows, of course, there is a workflow button here where you can create a new workflow and drag and drop toolboxes in so that you can create a workflow similar to this, so that you don't have to use individual tools. So let's go through some of the results that are generated from this particular workflow. So the first one is the graphical QC report for our reads. So here we can look at the quality of our libraries and our sequencing, just to make sure that the quality is sufficient. So one typical uh, area that a lot of users look at is this quality distribution. How are my pyrite scores for my nucleotide bases? Another useful element, let's go ahead and scroll down to the bottom, is this overrepresented analysis. Are there any sequences that are overrepresented? The third part that may be of interest to many users who are new to RNA-seq analysis is the sequence duplication level. Did I over-amplify my PCR libraries? So some of these are all included in the report. All of the uh, details are included in this report so that you can start to go through them to see how well your libraries are. The next report is the RNA-seq report, where we can look at how well our reads map to the genome. So. If we go down to one particular section that may be of interest is this read quality control. So read QC. How many of my reads are forward and how many reads are reversed? So depending on the library kit that you used, most of the reads should either go in one direction or another. If you're doing some chip seek or some non-directional um, uh, RNA seek, then perhaps they may be 50-50. The mapping statistics is another statistics that a lot of people look at. So again, we want the majority of the reads to map to the genome, right? 
Because if there a lot of them are not mapped to genome, that may be an indication of contamination, or perhaps there's bad poor sequencing run. If we scroll down to the bottom, we also have information about the distribution of biotypes. So again, we would hope that most of these reads are going to be protein coding, perhaps long non-coding as well, um, because these are going to be polyadenylated RNA-seq libraries. So now we're going to get to the first element, which is this differential gene expression table. So users such as yourselves want to know what are the genes that are differentially expressed in your different comparisons. So this table generates all of the results to look at what are the genes that are upregulated and what are the genes that are downregulated. We can use filters here for uh, full change, for p-values to make these, uh, to filter down the table. We can also generate a volcano plot for this differential gene expression. So what I like to do is I like to change the uh, settings from a point to a dot so that the dots are a little bit bigger. And what's really nice is that we can draw rectangles around these dots to label the genes. So we can quickly use that interactive graphic that's generated in CLC Genomics Workbench and we can label these dots to see what are the genes that are either upregulated or downregulated. After we selected the volcano plot, we can go back to the table, filter to the selection, and filter that list to those ones that we have labeled. This also goes the other way as well. So let's say we want to label the genes here in the table. If we go to the other side, those genes are automatically labeled for us. So how many of you would find this particular feature to be useful for your RNA-seq experiment? Definitely a lot easier than trying to find which dot is for which gene. Absolutely, I agree too. So with this volcano plot, what users can also do is export. So graphics can be exported using the graphics button right here. And tables and other elements can be exported using the export button, where we can export using various different formats. The next feature is this expression browser. So the expression browser is going to give you TPMs or counts. Um, and if you have any full change information about that as well. So this is really nice because if we select a couple of these genes, Let's go ahead and just collect the first four. We can go to the graphics and we can group these various different samples. So right now, each individual sample is labeled separately. So we have green would be, let's go ahead and look at the legend. Green would be from trained. So these are gonna be trained muscle samples. Purple are the untrained muscle samples. What we can do is we can collapse these groups together to generate a very nice, quick uh, graphics to see the groups of genes that may be differentially expressed. And users can also add p-values. So let's say we are interested in 0.01. Are there any genes that are labeled? We can also add this information in this um, 
in the statistical comparison as well. So all of these are available for us to do. And of course, most users report them as TPMs, but if you prefer to use FPKM, RPKM, we can easily switch between these various different uh, groups. And of course, if you would like to group them based on different settings, perhaps maybe genotype, perhaps any additional metadata. So this is where that metadata field becomes quite useful. We can group the samples together. So users such as yourselves want to generate heat maps to see what are groups of genes that are either up or down regulated so that you could start to look for markers for your particular conditions. So this heat map, we can see that this cluster of genes may be a good indicator of um, the first five samples, and this cluster may be a good indicator for the second five samples. But of course, we are not sure what these samples are, right? So for those of you who would like to add metadata layer, we can use this drop-down menu, add the metadata layer for training, and let's go ahead and make this much, much thicker. So now we can see the first five samples being untrained samples, and then the second five being trained samples. Again, the graphics, all of that is interactive, so we can change the color. So perhaps we want blue for that, and perhaps we want something different. We can easily change that without having to rewrite codes. If you would like to change the heat map color, we can change that to something more uh, appealing, and that may not be so Christmassy, I guess, but we can do some blue to yellow. So all of that is available on the side here. And of course, if we want to change the fonts, we have legend font settings and text format as well. So we can change the font quite easily to generate a graphics, export that graphics for our publication. So remember, let's say we have a time course. What we can do is we can generate a Venn diagram to look at overlaps between the various different groups. So again, let's go ahead and change the font because they're quite small here. So we can see that we have zero versus control, six versus control, eight versus control, four versus control. And now we can generate, let's go ahead and make that bigger. We can click on these various different individual quadrants to generate unique gene sets. So let's say we want to know what these 155 genes are. Let's go ahead and click on that. Go to the table on the bottom left corner, and then we can click on our favorite button, filter to selection. So now we have filtered that selection to just the 155 genes so that we can see what these genes are. So using that raise hand button, how many of you would find this feature to be quite useful for your analysis? Absolutely. I also like it too, because in the past, what I've done was upload Excel spreadsheets into a web page, renaming these Excel spreadsheets and be confused by my own naming uh, nomenclature. So to be able to quickly click on any of these quadrants, go to the table, filter to selection, 
definitely a very useful feature. On the right-hand side here, we can also change the flow change and p-values in real time. So if we want to increase the stringency, we can see that that occurs in real time. And of course, p-values as well. Let's say we want to make it more stringent or less stringent. We can see those numbers move and change in real time. So again, all of these tools are contained within the workflow. But if you want to run individual PCA plot or heat map or perhaps generate different differential expression plot, then diagram, there's also a gene set analysis that we didn't talk about today. All of these are also available as individual components so that once you finish your alignment, you can reanalyze your data and group them in different ways. So again, today, what we talked about our results coming from RNA-seq workflow where we can generate a differential gene expression table, generate box plots, generate a volcano plot and label them with differentially expressed genes, PCA component, a heat map to look for differentially regulated genes across our groups, and our Venn diagram. So the last thing I want to talk about in CLC Genomics Workbench is this uh, Kmodoid clustering, so a Senke plot. So this allows us to look at the flow of our data, in this case, a time course, but we can generate a Senke plot for various different elements and analysis. So imagine using your Senke plot analysis for dose, response, perhaps a time point course, perhaps different gradation of disease state, disease um, outcome. So using a Senke plot can be a great way to illustrate this. So in my slideshow, I've uh, illustrated a step-by-step -step guide of how to generate your Senke plot. But let's go ahead and dive into the program to look at how we launch this tool. So in the tool section, of course, underneath the tool section, we can see that for those of you who may need to trim reads, we can run the trim reads. But underneath the RNA-seq analysis, this is where we can find the various different tools. So if we want to rerun our RNA-seq analysis, if we want to look for fusion genes, PCA plot, heat map, here is our Sankey plot tool. And of course, there are additional tools here that we would just like to highlight. But again, let's go ahead and launch our Kmodoid clustering for RNA-seq. So in this, what we can do is we can again, select the workbench. Here, what we want are two expression samples. So in the workflow, we have generated expression tracks here. So what we can do is we can select the various different tracks. So I believe 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And then let's go ahead. This experiment actually had a lot more samples than what I'm describing. But what we can do is we can select the two groups or one group that we want. 
set the number of clusters that we want. So in this case, we can use nine different clusters. Using the metadata, we can repeat the clustering for a condition. And if we want, we can group the samples based on a particular condition. So let's go through what these two different elements mean. So let's say if you have a, just a time course, a wild type time course, what you would want to do is you want you would want to group the samples by the condition, right? So if we look at this sign, let's go ahead and uh, see if we have condition. We can see that the conditions are the five different time points. So that means that each individual time point is going to be its own um, slot. Repeat clustering means that, let's say if you have a wild type versus knockout, two different separate time points, you want to perform a separate clustering for each metadata field. So in this case, training has the both untrained and trained. So we're gonna perform a clustering for trained time course, and we're gonna do a clustering for the untrained time course. So that's what this particular setting is for. And again, we're going to group the samples based on the conditions, which in this case means the time points. If we click on next, here we can do various different features. So what are the genes that we want to cluster? So we can take all of the genes, uh, and in this case, uh, may take a while due to computing power. Or perhaps we just want to choose the top 10, top 50, top 25. Or if we have some kind of differential expression analysis completed, we can use that for our clustering. And then the last one is to specify features. So if you have particular genes that you want to look at, so let's say we just want to look at part one, part two, part three, part four, we can use that as well. So for today, let's go ahead and filter by statistics, click on next. And then again, I'm not gonna save or create a log. Let's go ahead and cancel. And the result is a Sankey plot. So let's go ahead and close all of these. Just go ahead and go ahead, reopen that. This is where we can start to click on the various different clusters to identify a pattern that we find interesting for our study. So for example, this one looks quite interesting, right? Cluster seven, which contains 24 genes, and we can tell what the genes are in the box on the right. We can see that again, before exercise, the gene is highly expressed. After exercise, it's highly expressed still. But then during recovery, the gene drops off. And of course, we can look at other gene patterns here. This one is also interesting. Before exercise, it's a little bit low. It gets induced upon exercise. And then the system seems to downregulate it rather quickly. And of course, we can see the genes on the right-hand side here. We can click through these different clusters to identify all of these various different patterns and what the genes are in this pattern. So in this case, this is a gradual rise, seems to be quite interesting. So we can use the Sankey plot to identify 
interesting clusters in our experiment. If we have two different conditions, again, in this case, if we cluster, this is going to be a little bit slow because of the amount of data in there. If we cluster, let's go ahead and close that, our trained time course with our untrained time course, we can look at how the various different genes are uh, changing. So this is a little bit busy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to filter. So let's go ahead and filter for cluster seven. Now we can quickly see in the profile that looks like this in the trained model, what happens to some of these genes? So in this case, again, this is what the gene looks like. Some of these genes now are actually turned down and we can start to identify what some of these patterns are. So this set in this particular case looks like all of them are remaining the same, but this can help us quickly identify genes that may be changing its pattern between the untrained and the trained. So showing the Sankey plot, how many of you in the audience would find this particular analysis to be useful for your RNA-seq? I can see many of you finding it to be useful for your RNA-seq. Thank you very much for that uh, feedback. And if there are particular interests in using the Sankey plot, let us know in the Q&A box how you would like to apply your Sankey plot analysis for. Is it for a time course? Is it for genotypes? Is it for some kind of dosage? So let us know in the Q&A box what you would like to use your Sankey plot analysis for. So let's take a quick look at additional uh, features. Let's see. So again, with any graphics, feel free to use the graphics export to export the graphics. So here we can export it. As you can see, I've generated figures for this webinar. And for any tables, we can export this using the export. So again, export and graphics for exporting the results. So with that, let's take a short Q&A break to see if there are any additional questions that I can answer before we move on to IPA. Thank you, Tim. As always, we'll also take this opportunity to uh, collect feedback from the audience. And I know that we are not quite done with the webinar, but we would love to know what you think of CLC based on what you saw so far. Um, in terms of question, this one question came up repeatedly in different format. All right, and the idea here is, you know, I was telling uh, users that, hey, we have long reads, we have other stuff, and the user saying like, but I can't see them in the toolbox. So I'm thinking the problem here might be they may not have downloaded the plugin. So can you please uh, real quick show them like where to download the plugin again? Uh, yeah, so the, yeah, absolutely. So I, I I'll say the basic workflow design should be in the CLC genomics workbench. So make sure you have the CLC genomics workbench. So if you have the main workbench, then I don't think the workflow is contained within the main workbench. So again, CLC Genomics Workbench and the basic workflow should be available to you. For any additional plugins, there is this plugin button on the top right-hand side here. And this is where we can download additional plugins. So one that may be of interest to the audience is the Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. 
So this plugin allows you to send your files to IPA without having to download your Excel spreadsheet. And you can perform your pathway analysis, upstream regulators, diseases and functions analysis match. This plugin is also quite useful because for those of you who may have count matrix, uh, this plugin allows you to import your count matrix into CLC to generate those beautiful graphics that I've shown you in today's webinar. So uh, plugins, and then feel free to look for the Ingenuity Pathway Analysis plugins under the Download Plugins button. Okay, and I'll ask one quick question. Uh, the NANs, like why do they show up in the table? Yeah, so if if the, the genes are not expressed, then there, there's not gonna be any fold change, right? So they're gonna be shown as NAN rather than zero. So if you would like to filter for the genes with the NANs, please feel free to use uh, fold change. Let's see right here. And then you can use up uh, greater than, less than, et cetera, to filter all those NANs. Okay, there are quite a lot of questions coming in, but I'm just looking at time and I know you have a bit more to cover. So what we'll do is we'll let you go ahead and finish remaining of the training. And all the questions that are coming in, we promise we'll take them live towards the end of the presentation. Meanwhile, we do request our attendees to continue submitting whatever questions you have. And again, we'll make sure they get answered. Back to you, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dev. And thank you very much, everybody, for all of the great questions that you're sending. And we will answer them live at the end of the uh, webinar. So let's take a look at ingenuity pathway analysis. So again, once we get that differential gene expression table, sometimes it's kind of hard and difficult to look at. What, what does this table mean? What does it mean that the muscles are trained versus untrained? And although today I really can't do IPA justice, I really invite all of you to register for the January 4th, 2024 live IPA new user training. The, the registration link is embedded in the text here. So feel free to register for that to really get more in depth in IPA. So what does IPA do? IPA takes a list of genes in addition to genes, proteins, as well as the metabolites and look at key pathways that may be enriched in your data set. So what's really interesting is that we see a lot of immune response signaling pathways enriched in our data set, but not only are they enriched in our data set, they are predicted to be activated as colored in the orange bar here. What we can use IPA to do is we can also identify potential upstream regulators that may be regulating our data set. So in this case, what we can do is we can filter based on molecule type of interest to identify compounds that may be regulating our data. So for those of you who may be curious, perhaps we can take epicathinin or perhaps another drug to mimic muscles that might be endurance trained. So a billion dollar um, idea right there for those of you who may be interested. We can also look at diseases of functions that may be enriching our data. But again, going beyond just enrichment, are these diseases and functions enriched in our data set? So in this case, we can see that many of these terms, so for example, cellular movement, lipid metabolism, 
immune cell trafficking, molecular transport, all of these terms seem to have an overall activation. We can also look for terms that may be of interest, so concentration of fatty acid, and see what the genes in our data set, how they contribute to the predicted activation of concentration of fatty acids. And of course, we can compare across compare experiments with comparison analysis. So not only can we generate Sankey plots in CLC genomics workbench, but we can take a look at the macroscope level, macroscope level to see what are the canonical pathways changing across the time course. So we here what we can see are pathways are immediately induced by our exercise. So all of these pathways are immediately induced by our exercise right here. And then perhaps four hours, some of these pathways are starting to dampen down. And by six and eight, many of these pathways are actually going in the opposite direction. So molecular mechanisms of cancer. So perhaps a lot of cell repair happening immediately and that gets turned off. Some singling pathways, wound healing, collagen biosynthesis, IL-4. So now we can start to really contextualize the data behind our RNA-seq experiment. So seeing some of these figures and results that we can generate from IPA, using that raise hand button, how many of you would find the particular analysis to be useful in conjunction with your CLC genomics workbench? Yes, I definitely think so as well. And again, I can't do justice for IPA today. So please join us in the new year, 2024, January 4th, to really learn more about IPA and how we can use some of the features of IPA. So what is IPA? IPA is powered by our Kyogen knowledge base where we have over 200 level PhD level scientists who look at manuscripts, clinical trials, and omics data to manually curate the connections between genes and genes, or perhaps between genes and disease. So this type of work requires manual curation because as much as we all love chat GPT, it's simply not powerful enough, natural language processing, simply not powerful enough to make that high quality predictions for causality predictions. So um, as of the today, I believe this number is actually over 13 million research findings now with our winter release. So these findings are accessible to you in seconds. And these findings are updated on a weekly basis. And we also have additional major releases on a quarterly basis. So within CLC Genomics Workbench, Remember, we have to install the IPA plugin so that the IPA uh, Ingenuity Pathway Analysis tool is readily available. So this contains both the pathway analysis tool as well as the import expression where you can import your count matrix. But of course, if you have your differential gene expression already ready to go, we can also directly upload that file into IPA. So again, on January 4th, 2024, we'll be talking about the data for IPA upload. 
So let's go back into IPA and see how we can generate the results. So bear with me for a second while I turn that on. So for those of you who have IPA Ingenuity Pathway Analysis plugin installed, go ahead and look for that tool in the toolbox and in the Ingenuity Pathway. So again, the top tool here is Pathway Analysis. So this is going to be for IPA. Import Expression Data allows you to import your count matrix into IP uh, into CLC Genomics Workbench to generate some of your graphics. So now that we have downloaded our IPA plugin, we can launch the plugin by simply double-clicking on the Pathway Analysis. And here we can select the volcano plots that we want to upload into IPA. So here, let's go ahead and send the trained versus untrained. And perhaps we also want to send, send our time course into IPA. Clicking on next, we can log into our IPA in, ooh, let's go ahead and log that in. Make sure that that's logged in, perfect. And then we can name our project, upload and analyze. So the next step, we can upload features with a main expression value. So if we want to get rid of those genes that are NAN, we can do so in this window. We can also upload p-values as well as fold change. And in this case, the recommendation is to upload all of your features because you may want to play around with these cutoffs in IPA afterwards. So with that, what we can do is we can click on Next. And here is where we can set our cutoffs. So again, today I do not have time to go through all of the various different cutoffs. I really encourage all of you to either reach out to our support team, feel free to use the support button, and come to our January 4th uh, session to learn more about the cutoffs where we recommend having between 200 to 2,000. So again, that number is just a recommendation, 200 to 2,000 features for IPA analysis. And we can limit that based on our p-values and our vote change. So once we have that done, we can send that into IPA and we can check the results in IPA. So in IPA, after we have uploaded the results from our, from our CLC into IPA, we can open up the analysis where again, we can look at canonical pathways that may be enriched in our data. But beyond just looking at enrichment, we can see whether these pathways are either predicted to be activated or predicted to be inhibited. So what's really interesting is that IL-33 is a pathway that is not only enriched in our data set, but predicted to be activated as colored in orange. So if we click on this, we can see that this pathway is predicted to be activated because the patterns of the gene expression matches the experimental 
bold change. So going back into my PowerPoint, how does IPA make predictions? So anytime in IPA, if you see blue, these are pathways in gene activity predicted by IPA to be inhibited. If you see anything in orange, these are pathways or gene activity predicted to be activated. And anytime we see anything that's in green, those are going to be genes downregulated in our data set. And anytime we see red, these are going to be genes that are upregulated in our data set. To make predictions in IPA, IPA looks at your actual data set measurement and what IPA expects if the pathway is activated. So let's take a very simple example here where in this pathway, there are five genes. And if the pathway is activated, all five of these genes should go up. If in your data set, all of them match what is expected, because they match what is expected, the pathway is predicted to be activated, and we have a quantitative positive z-score. But let's say if the pathway is expected to be activated, again, all five of these genes should go up. But in your data set, all five of them are going down. This means that the pathway in your data set is predicted to be inhibited because they do not match what is expected. And we have a negative z-score. But of course, we all know that science is never this clear cut, right? So if half of them are going as expected and half of them are not going as expected, if there's no clear signal for prediction, IPA does not make any activation inhibition prediction, and the z-score is zero. So in the PowerPoint slides, there is a more extensive example of the z-scores, whether they're matching, not matching, and whether they're predicted to be activated, predicted to be inhibited. So we can open up this pathway to really examine the various different aspects of this pathway and how, once the muscles are trained, how that activates processes such as, we can see this uh, ILC2 response, survival of isonophiles, we can see things such as polarization of empty macrophages, which is, I guess, supposedly anti-inflammatory. We have things about uh, constriction, contraction of smooth muscles. So now we can start to see what are the predictions happening due to the upregulations of some of these key genes in our data set. And beyond that, what happens to the downstream predictions? And of course, let's say we're interested in how IL-13 is involved with Th2 immune response. What we can do is we can double click on the relationships and that's gonna give us the relationship summary where we can access all of the research findings supporting that relationship. We can click on the top link here My, uh, my internet is just loading on the side here. And then that's going to give us the PubMed page. There we go. 
to get all of the research findings for that particular relationship. And we can download all the references into a text file or EndNote file. So how many of you in the audience would find this particular feature to be useful for your biological context analysis? Definitely a faster way of doing your PubMed search. And of course, we can export the image right here. And there are additional features here that I don't have time to talk about today, but they are included within the Excel or in the PowerPoint site that I have prepared. So for example, for those of you who may be interested in how a particular gene is expressed in different tissues in different disease states, there is this omic salt land explorer that I encourage users to explore to see how their gene is expressed using public data. The next feature is to look at upstream regulators. Again, after we generate our RNA-seq data, we want to know what are the upstream regulators that may be regulating our data set. So jumping back into IPA, by clicking on this upstream analysis, we can look at what are the potential upstream regulators regulating the target genes in our data. So if we look at the bottom here, there are 2,673 predicted upstream regulators. That's simply too much for us to analyze one by one. So what we can do is we can use the various different filters to filter down for our upstream regulators of interest. So for example, in today's case, let's say we're interested in looking for chemicals that may induce a gene expression where uh, it looks like the muscles are trained. We can use that as well. But for many users who are looking for perhaps compounds um, proteins to inhibit, or perhaps on the more basic level transcription regulators, we can filter for all of those as well. So as you can see, we can filter for transcription regulators. Perhaps we may want to develop uh, nucleic acid therapeutics. Perhaps we want to inhibit some receptors. So all of those are possible using the molecule type. So for today, Let's say we want to look for chemical drugs that are already available for us to kind of mimic the gene expressions of an endurance-trained muscle. What we can do is use the molecule type. We can filter based on activation state. So perhaps we want the chemicals to be activated, i.e. increasing concentration. And now we have identified potential upstream regulators are chemicals that may activate the gene expression profiles seen in muscles that have been undergoing train, uh, endurance training. What we can also do is we can click on the row, display that as a network. And again, we can start to play around with the layout check the relationship summary to see what are the relationships, and export these for publications and, um, and our presentations. And again, in my slideshow, I have additional pointers, such as using the various different filters, and then displaying that as a net. 
We're almost at the half past the hour, so I will be skipping over diseases and functions, but feel free to explore my slideshow to see how to utilize the diseases and functions tab to really look at the biological context in your experiment. The last feature that I'm going to talk about today is comparison analysis. So again, having a time course, but we can use ex uh, comparison analysis beyond just looking at time courses. What we can do is we can generate a comparison analysis by going to create new comparison analysis. And this is where we can select our time course. So let's go ahead and remove the trained versus untrained and move over for our time course. Once we press the view comparisons, this is where we can get really interesting results, right? We can see that many of these pathways are predicted to be activated right after a dearest training um, after exhaustion are now turned off in the later time points. So molecular mechanisms of cancer, is this why exercise may be good for us? There are some signaling pathways that are turned off upon recovery, wound healing signaling pathways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we can start to explore what are some signaling pathways that are changing across our time course. We can also select on these different heat map squares. So in this case, I've selected the wound healing heat map and generate a gene heat map. So again, select on a square of interest, click on gene heat map. And this is where we can see what are the genes that are changing across our time course. So June seems to be upon time course, perhaps a little bit down-regulated, even though it's still red, perhaps that increase is decreasing. We have this HBEGF that is increased upon time course. We also see lots of down-regulated genes later on in the time course. So perhaps these two may be of interest because they're down-regulated at a later time course. So this allows us to generate a heat map for a particular canonical pathway of interest. So using that raise hand button one last time, how many of you would find this particular analysis to be useful for your time course in addition to your Sankey plot? So I can see many of you finding this to be useful. That's great. Please play around with this to really, not only do you have your Sankey plot, but you also have this heat map for your time course so that you can combine both of them together. So again, within my slideshow, I have a diagram of how to set that up and some of the buttons that we can touch to really look at the various different biological contexts within your RNA-seq. So with that, thank you very much for sticking around to learn more about the Kaiju Digital Insights and how the software within Kaiju Digital Insights can take your FASTQ files off the sequencer not only analyze your data, but also look for biological context. So whether you would like to generate some of these results, such as the EG table, gene expression, bar graphs, PCA plot, overlap analysis, today's newest update, Sankey plot, 
volcano plot heat map, but we can also generate biological context figures, such as looking at pathways, upstream regulators, diseases of functions, and comparison analysis. So with that, thank you very much for attending today's webinar. Hope you found the software to be useful for your RNA-seq research. Thank you, Dev and Leah, for sticking around and answering questions in the Q&A box. And thank you to the attendees for asking amazing questions that I'll be happy to take uh, live. Thank you, Tim. So there are quite a few questions and we'll try to go through as many of them as uh, possible. One question that was relevant to what you covered towards the end, and I think you might have gone over it, but it's good to emphasize anyways, because customer ask is, uh, where can they find legend for all the different shapes, symbol, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who are in IPA and you will see all of these different shapes, so let's go ahead and look at the shapes. What we can do is we can download the legend underneath the help and then legend. So in IPA, go ahead and go to help legend. And that's going to bring up a web page highlighting all of the different shapes. So let's go ahead and see if I can find the right one in my browser. Please bear with me. There we go. So this is the web page with all of the different shapes, lines, what the acronyms mean. So everything within IPA. So again, help, legend, and that's where to access the legends page. Okay. Um Another question for IPA was, is it only good for human mouse rat or can you go beyond that? You can absolutely go beyond that. So uh, IPA supports 28 additional species. So if you have data from chicken, from cows, I've also worked with um, customers working with cabbage of all things. Um, they upload all of those data um, that, uh, that IPA will recognize the identifiers for to use the mammalian knowledge base to help you find your biological context. So if you would like more information about which of those 28 species uh, are, please feel free to reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to uh, send you the list. Um, now, other questions are relevant to CLC. As a matter of fact, there were quite a few questions that came up uh, for mm -hmm. CLC. This question uh, is a bit long in the sense that the attendee is asking us to go through trimming data, read alignment, read counting, and many other uh, tools. But then if I read the question carefully, I think the bigger uh, question or concern over here is uh, what type of algorithms are used by CLC for all of these tools? And is there like a help menu or something where user can quickly go and find uh, information regarding Absolutely. this? Absolutely, yeah. So if we go to the workflow, and let's say at a certain step, let's just go ahead and go to the alignment step. Let's say in the alignment step here, we are curious what the alignment algorithm is. What we can do is we can go to the help button here on the um, bottom left-hand side, and that's gonna take us to the manual describing in details 
the RNA-seq analysis pipeline, the various different settings, and it actually goes into quite very, very detailed uh, description of the algorithm and all of those um, various different um, details. And then at the end of the help, of course, there's always a bibliography. So you can use the bibliography to see what are the pipelines that were inspired, uh, that were inspirations for the algorithms used in CLC. So again, help, that it's gonna to take to the particular tool where we can read about the tool and then the bibliography as well. Wonderful. Um, others are very specific, all right, Tim? Mm -hmm. So for PCA plot, can you draw circles and ovals around samples? Yeah, so unfortunately at this time, there's not a feature for us to kind of highlight these, um, these these samples. So what I would say is you can always export these. So go ahead and export as a graphics and use your third-party tools such as PowerPoint and use the PowerPoint oval and, and, uh, and such to draw your circles. So that would be the easiest way of doing so. Right, and as uh, both Tim and I mentioned repeatedly, in CLC, our team adds tons and tons of new stuff. So if there is a specific algorithm through which you want to draw those circles and ovals, which I know for sure you know some users uh, do, do let our team know. Uh, on the very first slide, we have a technical support email. So if you send them like an email letting know, them know that you need this algorithm, then we can definitely consider adding that in future releases of CLC. What things to keep in mind while deciding number of clusters fork yeah. medits analysis? Yeah, so if we go here, so let's go ahead and just move a couple of uh, samples over so we can advance this. So how many clusters? Okay, so if you imagine, you can either go up, down, or down, up. So each sample is a, is a factor of two. So if we have two times two times two, essentially you can do a permutation of how many clusters that you would need for your uh, time course, your dosage, et cetera. Having said that, the more clusters you include, the, the, the more memory that it will take for your computer to process that, right? Because each cluster, the computer has to figure out what where the gene goes within those clusters. So. In our case today, we have what? Control zero, four, eight, and six. So that's two times two times two times two times two. Those That's just simply too many clusters for us to, to uh, handle. So that's why we just retain something to like nine or 10 or so, just to see if we see any interesting patterns. But absolutely, you know, think about how many time cores or how many data points you have, and then think about um, how much computing power you have to determine the number of clusters you would like. And that goes through the same for the filters. If you have no filters, that's essentially taking all 20,000 genes and looking for clusters, right? So that's going to take a lot of computing power. So you may want to start off with a fixed number. You may want to start off with filtering by statistics, but definitely limit the number of filters or number of features that you use for your Sankey plot to help speed up the process. 
Okay, and I forgot to mention, but I pasted a SurveyMonkey link. We would really appreciate your feedback, things that you might have liked about the training, things that you think we should do differently, or topics we should include in future trainings. For example, I have definitely written down long reads as one of the topics we should cover in future, but any anything else other than that, uh, and even like good or bad feedback, uh, really appreciate that. Uh, one last question that I saw a little bit earlier. Um, is CLC able to perform a Sankey plot on microbiome and metagenomics uh, data? So to my knowledge, there is, uh, to my knowledge, Sankey plot cannot be used for microbiome microbiota. However, there are other tools that may be of use in terms of the microbiome microbiota. So for example, if you're looking for OTU clustering, then we can use a OTU clustering bar graph to illustrate that. So perhaps I can look at an OTU clustering table just to show the differences. So here we can see uh, OTU clustering. So this may be one graph to kind of help illustrate the changes seen in the um, species across your samples. Of course, there are other ways of illustrating those differences in CLC Genomics Workbench for genomics or microbial genomics. So for example, we can generate heat map and we can also generate a uh, fold change overlap as well. So there are features within CLC Genomics Workbench that could definitely be used to highlight differences across your microbiome uh, samples. Okay, wonderful. Um... I think that's it for questions. And as we have emphasized, this doesn't have to be our last interaction. You can reach out to support, sales, uh, for whichever type of questions you have. And keep in mind, um, if you reach out to your sales rep, then we also do trainings that are specific to group and institutions. And now more than ever, we've been traveling, going on site. So that is definitely something to keep in mind, like after this training. Okay, so with that, we will wait around 45 more seconds to see if someone is writing down like last minute questions or comment. But otherwise, thank you so much for attending this training. Thank you, Tim, for creating this wonderful new training because, you know, we have been doing RNSeq for a while, but this is the first time we created this new, uh, you, you created this new story and included like new updates like Sankey Plot and uh, Leah for sticking around and answering all those licensing related questions. Thank you everybody for attending today's webinar. And like Dev said, please don't let this be the last time that we interact with each other. Let us know if you have any additional questions, reach out to us and uh, hopefully to see you on site in the near future. <laughs>